Hello and welcome to episode number 69 of Investing from the Beach. I'm your host, I'm Chris Hansen, and I've got my, my co-host with me today or this evening, Mr. Chris Lamb. Hey, it's Chris Lamb here. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, quick background on the two of us. Um, and Matt, Chris, we haven't done an episode in quite a while. I got to remember the uh, the whole intro stuff. Uh, yeah, we, we both <laughs> <laughs> We both hit time freedom via the stock market. Um, I'm about 18 years older than Chris. <clears throat> so I think the day I graduated high school was the day he was born. Um, we met when we were both working at IBM. He had come in as an intern. And I was uh, looking to find the get my hand on the door handle to be able to walk out. Um, I had learned the stock market and was doing well doing that. I <clears throat> got to the point where I was making more in the market than I was uh, working as a sales rep for IBM. Chris had run into our department secretary and started talking about the stock market, and she pointed him over to him or pointed him over to me. Said, "Go talk to that guy." And he came over to the office one afternoon or one evening. We sat and chatted for a little bit, and a uh, incredible friendship has been built over the years because of that. Uh, because of her steering you to me. I got to freedom when I was about 40. Chris got there a couple years later and he was about 30. And we have had countless discussions along the way and even after hitting freedom as to what it took to get to time freedom. And what we've come to the realization of both together and separately is that 5% of it is how to do, maybe. And 95% of it is how to think. And the purpose of the podcast is really to talk about the how to think of what it takes to get to time freedom. And one key point to make, if it's your first time listening, we are very adamant in that there is a huge difference between financial freedom and time freedom. I can ask Chris later on in the episode how much time he has spent this past week, quote unquote, trading or managing his money. I think you'd be surprised at the answer. Uh, along those lines, Chris, how much do I pay you to do the podcast? Uh, it's been a while you haven't bought me lunch, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we can't get out of the house. We're stuck living. We're like gophers. We poke our head out of the ground yeah. and look around and then go back in. But how much have I ever paid you to do the podcast in total uh, if you no, add it all no, up? Nothing, nothing, sir. <clears throat> nothing. And how much do I get paid to do the podcast? Uh, zero. <clears throat> zero. So we yeah. don't do this for ads. Um, we do this really just to try and help people. One of the uh, full disclosure on this over the years in, you know, once I got to freedom via the stock market, somebody came up and said, Hey, I don't know what you do, but show me how. And word slowly spread and it turned in, you know, after showing people one-on-one -on -one for free, some guy said, Hey, you ought to, you ought to charge people for this and quit wasting your time doing one-on-one. -on -one. You've got a great way to explain really complex stuff and put it in simple terms. And so it turned into a, uh, a class seminar or whatever you want to call it. And so I do run a class where I teach people what I do. Uh, Chris helps me out occasionally on those. He'll walk in and help sign people in. And, <laughs> and then he eats dry chicken that we serve at the hotel. <laughs> and then he leaves. So he does it for the price of a, uh, a dried out, you know, chicken jerky lunch. And it has to help me stay healthy. Yeah, exactly. Helps you appreciate <laughs> some rather good food they can get elsewhere. Um, but all honesty, we're not doing this for the buck. It really is to try and help people. Um, we've we've uh, been very blessed with... Uh, I guess some, you know, some people toward steering us to either great books or great mentors or great classes or great whatever. And the idea on this was or is if we had had somebody like this kind of material, whether it's the class that I teach or whether it's even just this podcast to steer us along the path, we both would have gotten there a heck of a lot quicker than we did. And so our, our hope is that we can help you guys avoid any landmines that are out there.
We've already, we've already we, blazed we would the have path. been salivating if we had this. <clears throat> oh, it's huge. Yeah. This just makes it so much easier. But how was that for an intro? I think I got pretty much all of it. Um, if you do want to reach us, you can do it a couple ways. One, go to the website. You can go to investingfromthebeach.com. And if you click around on the tabs there, you'll see a uh, there's a book list. Pretty good books that are out there. I've got some good feedback on those. Uh, there's also an, uh, a contact page. And you can, um, there's an email there, investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. If you want to send us a note, uh, if you want to reach us on a phone number, easy number to remember, just remember seven on a, get on a 747, 24 hours you're at the beach. I know not many of them are flying these days, but 747-242-3224. And again, easy way to remember it wherever you are in the world. Jump on a 747 airplane, and in 24 hours, you can be at any beach in the world. So 747-24-BEACH. I check the messages regularly. A couple things that have come up. I got a ton of notes over this past month because uh, I got lazy and didn't feel like doing a podcast in April. And I was getting notes. Are you guys okay? Did you get hit by this COVID thing? You're, what, <laughs> what's going on? Quarantine, quarantine. Exactly. So the answer is we're totally fine. Um <clears throat> and for those that are wondering, Chris and I do this about 30 miles apart. So we're both spitting, sitting in a spare bedroom in our house. Um, I don't think we've ever recorded one of these in the same room. We always do it from a distance. No. Um, but I couldn't stand, uh, we couldn't stand each other's stench. <laughs> <laughs> this is about what it is. Yeah. Um, and, but because of that, we sometimes talk over each other, right? If we were looking at each other across a table, you know, Joe Rogan-esque, or he's doing it in a studio, you can mm -hmm. tell when the other guy is done talking. And so now you guys may not hear when we do a recording, but sometimes one of us will talk and we're waiting for the other guy to start. And there might be a, a 5, 10, 15-second pause. And the other guy's like, oh, I guess I can talk now. And he'll start talking. Um, so I'm pretty good about cutting those out. It doesn't happen very often. Early on, it happened more often. Now we kind of get a better feel for it. Um, but in the notes that I got, uh, Chris, this was kind of cool. I, I realized the podcast can reach way beyond, you know, we both live in Southern California in the LA area <clears throat> and you realize the podcast can reach beyond that. And in doing this, you don't really stop and think of what the globe means. But I had a note on the last couple of weeks from a guy writing from a forest outside of Moscow. Um, so Alexi, thank you so much for the note. I was stunned to say, read this thing that you're living in Moscow and finding some value out of what we're doing. So that was pretty cool. Um, but a note from another guy who his picture was the background photo, if you will, for someone ringing the opening bell on the NASDAQ uh, a couple weeks ago. He was doing some volunteer effort and helping to pack up food here locally in uh, the LA area. Uh, he's a firefighter in one of the cities here in Los Angeles. And they had a picture of him up there. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I can't even remember all the other notes I've gotten. For, for those of you that have reached out, thank you. We're both fine. Chris, have you had any uh, COVID issues or medical issues since we last did a podcast two months ago? No. No? Nope. Nothing. Yep. Me, oh, wait. I, well, the only thing I had. Oh, allergies. You got the allergies? This is the first year that I, uh, you know, never had in my life as far as allergies. But, uh, you know, this season it's like, man, I think one of the buddies said that there's more pollens or something in the air this time where... Uh, I, I started like sneezing more and uh, I get like um, kind of itchy around the <laughs> nose and stuff like that. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Just so you know, it's because <laughs> you're getting close to 40. <laughs> That's right. That, it's, it's all going downhill. <laughs> Gray hair is going to show up. 
You're going to oh, get yeah. hair growing out of places on your body that it shouldn't like the top of your ears and your nose and all that stuff that you tease me about. <laughs> it's coming to you, just so you know. All, all the experience. <clears throat> yep, exactly. Um, and the only thing that I had that was amusing is uh, when you're seven years old, you learn to ride a bike. You're taught that when you go up a driveway, you go at it at a right angle. So that little tiny, you know, quarter inch blip of concrete between the end of the driveway and the street won't tip you over. Well, when you get to be 57, you, you tend to forget about that stuff. And so I did a uh, tumble on a bike, ended up breaking a collarbone. Um, and what was, and that wasn't so bad. What was interesting about it though, is that I had to go into a hospital for surgery right at the beginning. This is in LA, right at the beginning of the shutdown. And so it was a little unnerving or a little odd, not if the right word is, to when you walk into the, the hospital for a scheduled surgery and you have to walk through the, it looked like ET when they were pulling them out of the house and that, but you walk through all the white tents and People are coming up, and what was odd is, having watched the news, I would think that the hospitals would have been swamped. This was back in mid-March. <clears throat> and as I walked in there, the place was empty. It was just a, a surreal experience because they had canceled any type of elective surgery, and this one was considered necessary. But it was just a uh, just an odd thing. But anyway, so to answer the question that for the people that sent in notes, uh, the reason we didn't do an episode in April is simply because I, I was lazy and didn't call Chris to say, hey, let's do one. And then it got to be a little bit later in April. It's like, well, you know, I try and put these out on the first Monday of the month. And like, well, I got to be a little bit later than that, a little bit later than that. It's like, God, hell with it. We'll just do it in May. So anyway. Well, we're, we're on the right uh, trend. You know, I think we started out once a week. Yep. Then every other week, once a month, and people probably think now it's every other month. <laughs> <laughs> so the benefit on that for all of you that are saying, and it really is flattering to get the notes to say, hey, where's the latest podcast? So I appreciate the uh, the following. Um, but it really does point to a cool thing in that, one, we're not paid for doing this. We're doing it to help people. There's You got 69, whatever it is, 68 episodes prior to this one. There is tons of content out there. Um, go back and re-listen to those if ever there comes another month where we decide not to do one or just lazy about it. And the cool thing is that really is the message. That's what you want to get to with time freedom, right? This is not a job to us to have to put it out. We enjoy doing it, but sometimes stuff gets in the way. You just didn't feel like it, but that's what you're trying to get to with time freedom. Speaking of that, since Chris, since we've been, you know, in the stay at home thing in California <clears throat> for the last couple of months, has there been any financial impact to you as a result of this? No, I said it's actually uh, positive because I'm spending less money. Right? So and, less and the market moves more, and you can make more money. So, so. the the expenses going down and the incomes yeah. going up. Correct. And I got the same situation. Um, <laughs> so the income is going up, right? Because there's there's wonderful volatility that is out there creates opportunities pretty regularly. And so when you hear people freaked out about that, this goes back to the 95% how to think. Once you know how to operate within the volatility, it's huge opportunities. And it's, I won't say it's consistent, but it's there. And you just have to know what to look for. There's opportunity all over the place. Um, have you had anything negative as a result of the stay-at-home order um, other than the inconvenience of, you know, <laughs> I know what a big fan you are of wearing a mask. <laughs> um, and all that, but any negative things that you personally have experienced 
as a result of the stay at home? Yeah, no, no, no negative, nothing, nothing that I can, you know, other than, uh, you know, maybe some of the friends that, that, uh, you know, I, I would normally see every once in a while, you know, they're pretty scared and they wouldn't get out. Yep. Yeah. Same. You know, I haven't I'm, seen you for a couple I, I welcome them, you know, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. they want to get out. Yep. Um, I say the only thing I've noticed is just like, you know, to go to the restaurant, like we went to get food, go to the Wuhan grill. <laughs> <laughs> and we went i can't remember what it was some restaurant the other day we like going to <clears throat> and one of the menu items that uh, my wife and kid like weren't offered and they said because it's too labor intensive to make it and they had they ran a, a reduced yeah. staffing yeah and it took and it's like oh it was like oh i'm disappointed yeah i would have paid more because i really like that but that's been the and if that's the biggest inconvenience that's really a we're very fortunate it's a very nice position to be in. Um, but I think the key point to make on that, the reason we're both in that position is because of decisions we made, you know, 20, 30 years ago to say, we're going to learn to trade. And you learn how to do that. And then you adjust your thinking and you realize it really is about the how to think. And you were saying too, you feel bad early when you were, when you were doing the, the pre-show discussion, you were mm -hmm. saying you feel bad that people are fearful. Yeah, it's kind of sad to see how fearful people are. You know, uh, the first time that it hit me was going to the grocery store. And then uh, I was kind of sad because I had my daughter with me and you know, we're going around. And even she noticed, right, she's three and a half. And she said, like, I looked at her and I said, like, something's wrong. I looked at her and she said, and I said, what, are you okay, honey? And then uh, she said, yeah. She's, I go, are you scared? She's like, yeah. And then I'm just because she, she's she sees like there's fear in people. So she, yep. she knew that there was a definite change. Like what's going on? Why are people wearing masks? And people are like, you know, they're not friendly and nobody's talking to each other. Yep. Right. Because uh, she's she's this, you know, happy kid that every time she sees somebody, she says, hi. You know, how are you? Hi. Yep. Right. To everyone. And so she's, you know, uh, she's like she couldn't say hi to people because everybody would not say anything. Right. Interesting. So. So. And then. Uh, and then. <laughs> I was, I explained to her that people are scared of the virus, right? And uh, at the time, you know, we're not wearing a mask or anything like that. And uh, then I, I would push her down, you know, uh, one of the aisles. And then I see her blowing her hand, you know, like you, you got palm facing up and okay. she's blowing. Kind of like you're blowing a kiss, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was blowing. I say, what are you doing, honey? And she said, oh, I'm blowing the virus away. <laughs> Wow. That's how, that's how she was trying to keep her hands clean. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And then I've had notes from people. Um, you know, some, I've had everything from, wow, I found a newfound, um, you know, deep appreciation for my spouse. And I've had the other extreme. It's like, the minute we get out of here, I'm not going to have a spouse. And I don't know if they're joking or not, but they're just, you get see people living on edge. Um, so you're, I'm seeing that. I've had notes complaining or complimenting about that. And then you had a, uh, not related to a spousal issue, but you had a note we were talking about before from a, a guy that we've had on the show before. Mm -hmm. um, and he was saying, what, he was starting to feel cabin fever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? He mentioned the term cabin fever. And he said, he said, you know, we checked up on it, or he called me or texted me and asked him how he's doing. He said, everything's good. He just said, you know, more cabin fever. And then I told him, well, he said, uh, well, it's better than having COVID fever. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> yep. 
But, but you, uh, you know, cabin fever, you know, he's bored. And, uh, and, and I was explaining to you that, you know, uh, we mentioned before in the uh, earlier podcast that, uh, you know, when every time you feel bored, you know, you have to kind of take a look at yourself. Are you a boring person? It's not, are because, you? You are. Yeah, you are a boring person, right? But, you know, to help you kind of understand that, right? Just evaluate. You shouldn't be bored. Um, if you're bored, that just says you don't really have any purpose in life and you really don't have anything to do. And there's tons of things to do. You yep. just got to do them. There's so much stuff you can learn or do mm -hmm. or take on. It's it's endless. Yeah. And the, so uh, do you feel any cabin fever? Not a bit. This is just right. normal. I mean, this is a normal thing. I'm usually, yeah. you know, here at the house just watching the market. Um, mm -hmm. The only thing that's different is that I've got two other people that now share the house with me 24-7. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, one of them so. would go to school for a good chunk of the day. And then the other one might run out and run errands or whatever she's doing. Um, but now they're in, it's like, like, Hey man. So you have uh, this you have is, less time freedom now. Yeah, well, yeah. It's like, this is my house. You guys are yeah. <laughs> getting into my space. Well, you know, uh, my wife, she was working, uh, I think twice a week. And, uh, I think for maybe a month or two months, she, she didn't work. Okay. Right? And then she started going back in twice a week. Um, and then my daughter was going, you know, to school twice a week and, or three times a week. And now she's not going at all. She hasn't been going since I think, uh, the beginning of March or late February. Yep. She, you know, we, she, she wasn't going. And so, um, people think I have time freedom. I'm like, man, she's with me 24 seven. Yep. yep. I actually had three days before where, you know, she's off, uh, in school. So I had three days out of the week that, you know, uh, of my time during the day. And now it's like every single day, you know, daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> yep. So, so it's been a lot less time freedom uh, since the, the, the COVID uh, quarantine actually for me. There was a, you get in the time frame and there was something today also. So Chris and I are recording this on a weekend um, early in May of 2020. So if you happen to listen a couple months later, cool. If you happen to be listening to this like 10 or 15 years later. Um, it'd be, to me, I think it'd be fascinating to be able to go back and listen to this one, you know, going through the, the beginnings <laughs> of the pandemic and to hear what people are doing and thinking and whatever else it might be. Um, <clears throat> earlier today, Buffett, uh, Warren Buffett had his annual shareholder meeting with Berkshire. And normally, you know, there's, I, I went to one of those a few years ago. There's about, I don't know, 15, 20,000 people that show up in Omaha and they hang out in this big convention center. And everybody's focused on Buffett and Munger sitting at this table in this middle of this huge arena. And they talk about their stuff for four, five, six hours. Well, this year they had the site booked, but because of all the uh, stay-at-home orders, <clears throat> basically he ran that show with, I think the, one of the announcers said there were, I think it was eight or ten people in this whole arena. And towards the end of it, they did a, a video shot of that. And it's literally like two tables and they, <laughs> it's under a spotlight <laughs> and the rest of the arena is empty. Like that's actually pretty, I mean, it's a little daunting and different, but pretty cool. But if you haven't listened, <clears throat> uh, go find it on YouTube. And the first hour, maybe, maybe even longer, Buffett goes through and does a, kind of a pro-America discussion. And he helps you put things into perspective with what this country has gone through in its past, ranging from, you know, the death rate and the death toll that we saw in the Civil War 
and take that as a percentage of the population, a percentage of the male population. I think he referenced it in World War I or World War II, if I remember. I was kind of in and out, but I thought I saw those numbers. And when you hear that, and you think about that, and you think, wow, this is, you know, is this a horrible thing for the U.S. or the world? We've been through stuff that's, I'm not saying this isn't bad, don't get me wrong. But as a country, we've been through much worse. Um, and you get through it. And as a as the globe, we've been through much worse with regard to death rates. It may not be pandemic, but it could be war-related. And we get through that. And his comment on all of this is, do not bet against America. Right? Just be, It may not be perfect here. And, you know, you could take... <clears throat> Whatever your political persuasion is, you could say that the administration has done it right or they could have, you know, they've done it wrong. They could have done it differently. Um, but you don't bet against America. All the structures that we have in place are much better than anywhere else on the globe. Just remember, people still want to get here as opposed to anywhere else. And it's, uh, it's a great, I thought, perspective to keep in mind with regard to what we have here, the opportunities, et cetera. Yeah, lots of opportunities, um, you know, especially when things starts moving. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I would say a lot more opportunities today than <clears throat> right uh, in the years where the market keeps on running. There's that. I think the other thing to think of, too, is that, you know, we've had and maybe we did an error by not doing a recording in April, as I sit here and think about it, because you know, if you think about it, over the last couple of months, you've had the. You know, whatever your workload has been, if you're, if you got furloughed or laid off, I feel bad for you. My, you know, it's not a good thing. If you're just in work at home mode, um, what I've heard from most people is that their work at home mode, the workload has lightened a little bit. Some have gotten a little heavier. It really depends on what you do. Um, if you're in the, I think they're called the first responders. So if you're on the front lines in the, in the hospital, in the healthcare arena, thank you for what you're doing. If you're those that are uh, involved in the supply chain, whether it's, you know, bringing, trucking in supplies <clears throat> or working in the grocery stores and, you know, even down to the level of stock in the shelves, right? In whatever degree you're involved in the supply chain, um, you realize that on everything, logistics is key. And so while, again, it may not be perfect here in the U.S., uh, we've got probably one of the best logistics systems. And if you think about it, we have more food than anywhere else on the globe. Although we may be trashing milk and, and, you know, trashing some stuff, it's only because the supply chain isn't set up to bring it down to the individual. It's more done to the restaurant level, but stuff is out there. So it's, um, it's pretty good spot. And what it really points to is with everybody kind of locked down at home, a lot of people are falling in Netflix mode. So they curl up on the couch, sit in their sweatpants and get caught up on, was a guy Tiger King or whatever that Netflix special was and, there's all types of things that are out there and you could fall into that trap or you could use that time to go improve yourself. And whether that's doing, you know, body weight workouts at home, with no ob- obstacles, whether you're going to go, you know, do air squats or push-ups and pull-ups or go run, or if you're going to go improve your mind. So find some books to read, you know, things along that nature, and you can get ahead of everybody else while they're curled up watching some dumbass in the middle of Oklahoma figure out what to do with his tigers, yeah. right? Yeah, I have a feeling a majority of people kind of will pick up, you know, even worse habits being yeah. at home. Yep, Yeah. exactly. Like especially being lazy. 
And this goes back to the how to think. Now, don't get me wrong, right? How do I know a little bit about the Tiger King? I've watched a few episodes of it. And I think this, <laughs> this is insane as to what goes on. And then I think this is insane that I'm even watching this crap. And so you, you shut it off and, you know, you go expose your, expose your mind to something more healthy. You know, you, you don't get up in the morning and eat sugar donuts for breakfast and then wonder why you feel like crap. It's because you're poisoning your body. Well, the same thing is your brain, the, uh, the mouth to your brain, if you will, is your eyes and your ears. And you want to think about what you're feeding your brain. And so if you're watching the Tiger King, Tiger Queen, whatever the hell it was called, but if you're watching that and you're wondering why you're, or you're watching the nightly news and getting depressed of all this stuff, look at what you're feeding your body. Look at what you're feeding your brain. And it's no wonder you feel like crap because you're feeding it poison. Stop. It's really simple to do. You just have to be aware that you're doing it. The opportunities are endless here in this country. Just open your eyes. They're all over the place. <clears throat> Any comments there before we jump in today's topic? No, I have no idea what Tiger King is. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't look it up. All right. <clears throat> so a couple months ago in our last episode, which was number 67, uh, we spoke about the financial samurai. And he was writing um, an article on CNBC that he had to go back to work. This is one, I don't know if he was, I won't call him the leader of that, but he was one of the early adopters, if you will, or one of the people that was getting notoriety for the FIRE movement, right? Financially independent, yeah. retire early. For uh, financial blogging. Yeah, yep. And so and Chris and I have, or at least I have, and Chris, you agree, I don't know which one of us came up with it, but to us, FIRE really should be focused on income and reduce expenses. And it's always about focusing on the income. And so anyway, so he had this article uh, before, but, and we did this episode 67 where he was talking about um, all these items related to going back to work. Well, I just saw an article. I think Chris, I think we forwarded it to each other at the same time. The title of the article was, I'm a 42-year-old retiree and I lost more than 600 grand due to the, the pandemic. And now I'm second guessing early retirement. And what he was talking about in here is that the with the S&P taking a dip in March, he had a 30% drop in his stock portfolio, lost more than 600 grand. A Chris, reduction Chris did, in uh, passive Chris, income, like all his income is, has gone down. What's and, that? Uh, Chris, his let, expenses has gone up. Go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you bluntly. Did your stock portfolio drop 30% in March? No. No, and mine didn't either. Did yours drop? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, mine did. But, but you know, that's a portfolio, right? Uh, exactly. But but you the, have... But the income you know, that I made, yeah, yeah the trading income, went the way up. up. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's just, I was like, oh man, I feel for this guy because he doesn't know how to... He only knows one thing. And the opportunity to move his money around is phenomenal, but he doesn't know it. And so he's talking about what it takes to have to, you know, recover his his losses, and, but at that point, you know, he's just sitting there. It's like, it's almost like owning a, you've got some land and a tree gets chopped or, you know, shaved in half because of a tornado. And yeah. it used to be a 30 foot tree and now it's a 10 foot tree. And you stare at that and you go, wow, how long is it going to take for it to become a 30 foot tree again? Mm -hmm. Like, dude, plant some other stuff, man. <laughs> there's there's yeah. all kinds of opportunities. You're looking at it wrong. Um, But it's, it's lack of... Um, ignorance sounds like a negative thing, but it, it's not negative in that he doesn't know, right? What's out there. 
I mean, I think he's treating it like a rental property, right? You own it and it goes down. There's nothing you can do for about it. Yep. But in the stock market, you have tools that will help you protect this down. Mm-hmm. And if you've done some homework, you kind of know there's cycles, right, that will take place. And, you know, the market's been running for over 10 years without any major down, you know. It is shouldn't it, surprise is it very, you. Yeah, it shouldn't surprise you that we have a down, whether it's a coronavirus or a terrorist attack or whatever it is. Yep. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the cycle just repeats in history. And you, if you understand that you should be lightening up in your holdings or get, getting ready to protect it or hedge against it, or you should also be saving up money so that when the downturn happens, you could go in and buy some more. Mm-hmm. So if I was a real estate investor, you know, when the, when, when real estate prices are depressed, that's my opportunity that's when you go to shopping. go in and start buying. Yeah. Yep. But if you, you know, you're stressed and, you know, in cash and strapped in cash you don't you don't have money sitting on the side waiting to buy you, you're going to miss out on these good opportunities to uh, to buy at discount levels yep right and like buffett said you know he's pro america he's pro the economy um over the long term it's it's going to go up i mean you know what we're, we're, we're not going to just sit at home and you know wither away right yeah so right. At some point, we're gonna we're gonna have to go back, and we're gonna have to go create and produce, and and, and you know, uh, life goes on. Well, what is it? Uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. So, in the last couple of months, right, we had this. You know, you and I uh, do some webinar stuff for the mm-hmm. class, and we use a tool called GoToMeeting. And about a year ago, we were chatting, and you were saying, "Hey, maybe we should look at using Zoom." Mm-hmm. Right, and looked at it, didn't, and for whatever reason, we stuck with the uh, the other tool that we use. And yet, you know, I knew about it, didn't, didn't care about it. Didn't, I wasn't looking at it from an investment or a trade standpoint. And then with everybody doing the stay at home, suddenly everybody realized, Hey, zoom is the way to go. And the stock launches, right. And it rockets up. Um, and so, well, is that going to be the end all you put all your life savings there to make a bazillion dollars when you're 80, you know, 40 years from now, it's like, no, 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 not saying that, but there's opportunities that will present itself as a result of how conditions change in whatever it may be on a global basis, what we're seeing now with the pandemic, or it could be on a specific industry basis based on whatever industry you happen to work in. There's always change going on. People trying to adapt to situations and or make their own situation, excuse me, bigger, better, faster, cheaper, more efficient, whatever it may be. And that's the beauty about the U.S. And that's the beauty about the stock market is the opportunities present themselves. You just have to keep your eyes open. Yeah, I think the uh, the, the tough part is, um, you know, if you're used to drawing income as an employee and you're kind of in between jobs or you might have been let go, it's it's extremely <laughs> tough to get a job in this environment, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think the, the, the those people are struggling the most. And especially if uh, you don't have, um, you know, emergency dollars to live on. Right. They're, they're having the hard time. Um, it, it, and it's weird. I'm going to be a little harsh on this one. So I may get a nasty note from somebody, but hear, my, hear me out on this. I feel for somebody that is just coming out of school. You know, they're 22, 23 years old. They're graduating college here in, you know, a month or so. And they're walking into a job market that just got decimated. Um, and if they have a, a worthwhile degree, you know, something where they're, or normally has good hiring, 
and not that I'm going to, I'm going to pick on somebody just saying, you know, you're not walking out with an art history degree, right? Something that is got a, a pretty wide usage, if you will, within the um, employment world <clears throat> and nothing against a heart and art history major. But if you think about that, if you're walking out with an engineering degree or a business degree or whatever it might be, if the job market gets tight, right, and you have no dollars coming out because you've been going through school, I feel for that person, right? Because now they're going to, you know, there are jobs all over the place from what I see locally. You can go, you know, stock shelves at the local grocery store um, or do something with that. It's not the glamour job of the engineering profession that you're looking to get into. But so what? You suck it up, you get some money, and then when the when the economy lifts, you jump back into your desired profession. Um, so that person I feel for, somebody that may have gone through some type of maybe a medical crisis recently, and so they got you know knocked to their knees <clears throat> as a result of a, uh, a huge amount of some unexpected expense. Uh, I feel for that person. Where I don't have sympathy is for the person that says, oh, I can't make the rent, I don't have this. But you look at what they're doing, um, they're older in life, right? So they're not 22 years old, but they've got a very nice car or two in the driveway that they're making payments on. Uh, they're living in a big house that is taking a huge chunk of their income. Multiple um, vacations every year. <laughs> yep. They've got uh, labels on their on the breast of their shirt or on the ass pocket of their jeans that are very expensive. Um, so they're, they're paying for, th and, and they've got a credit card balance which says they can't afford to be buying the stuff that they bought last month or three months ago or six months ago or last year's vacation. And they, they can tell you about the latest, the differences between the iPhone 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 because they've had one of every one of them, right? That person I have zero sympathy for from, except for the standpoint of they never open their eyes to realize they have to control their spending, right? So, and if that sounds harsh, I won't say forgive me, but forgive me, but that's the reality of it. Um, and that's the person that usually will come up and say, but I have no money to invest. Like, uh, you have no money. It's not because you don't make enough. You don't have a money problem. You have a money management problem, right? There's no delay. And, and you know, a good, a good thing that will come out of the pandemic for those, uh, for that group. I hope so. Is, is waking them up. I hope right? so. And, uh, you know, and if, if, cause if you go through life and you know you don't get this situation, um, let's say you might be in a much more vulnerable situation later, you know, mm -hmm. down the years. Yep. And if you keep on doing this, you, you know, it's going to be worse. But with this happening, it's going to change the attitude and the mindset of those people. I hope for the better. Yep, I hope. Yeah. To me, yeah, this force be... force them to. This could be the depression moment, not from mm -hmm. a, it could be a mental depression, but this could be the depression era moment mm -hmm. for this. And we might just be at the beginning of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, wouldn't surprise me if this, if this um, pandemic, if, if we're dealing with, I hate the word, the new normal, whatever the hell that means. I, it doesn't, I'm not sure that I like that terminology, <clears throat> but I can easily foresee us not going back to what we were back in January, February until sometime late next year. You know, we'll go through a whatever they come up with with a vaccine and whatever, you know, the the turnaround time on that is dramatically shorter, apparently, than it has been in the past just because of the technical technological enhancements that are available with the, you know, the speed of technology, computer speed, et cetera, et cetera. 
but it still takes a while to develop a vaccine and test it. And then if they do have a vaccine that comes, let's say they have a vaccine on Monday. Do you want to be the first guy in line to step up and be the, the guinea pig on that one? I'm like, I don't. Um, and so it's going to take a while to figure out if that's there. And then you got to figure out, will that get you through the flu season next year? So it wouldn't surprise me if we're in this for, you know, a year and a half in some well, type of let's even say mode. the COVID disappears. There'll be right? something else. Yeah, well, yeah, normally there's going to be something else. But, uh, you know, just looking at the damage that has been done mm-hmm. of everyone staying home and the, you know, the, the, the GDP hit. Yep. Um, and looking at the country's income, everyone's income, there's a big hole there. And that hole needs to be filled at some point or, you know, needs to be made up for. Yes. And so even though you go back to resuming, you know, 2019 end of the year activity, um, it's that that hole still needs to be made up. You know, this pandemic has cost the country and people tremendously. Mm -hmm. Right. uh, In their pocketbooks. And so that's going to take some time to recover. It's not just going to, oh, I'm back at normal like. You know, just because you open up a business doesn't mean people are going to show up. Correct. Um, you know, uh, one of our uh, buddies, and you know him, he opened up his practice back in, in and I asked, I said, how's, how's it going? And you What know, kind of practice? Uh, chiropractic. Okay. Yep. I know what you mean. And yeah, and uh, was, was doing what, five days a week before. And then he did, he's now doing, I think, three days a week because just the demand has gone down. Okay. Um, you know, you can open it up, but people won't show up. Yes. You know, you know, yeah, the government will let you open up restaurants, okay? You know, go ahead and open up your restaurant and let people, just the, the, the flow is not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Number one, people are fearful. Number two, they don't want to spend. Yes. Yep. You know, they're not confident about their jobs. They're not confident about their income, right? They've taken a hit on their income. They're not going back to, uh, you know, the same old spending habits because they can't. Yeah, it's not because going. they don't want to, they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Carefreeness is gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody's going out there. Oh, you know, I haven't bought a car for a while. Let me go buy a car. <laughs> but see, that's yeah, a good thing. Money's not available. Yeah. But that's, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that's a bad thing. I feel bad well, for the guy. it's not a bad that... thing for society, but I'm saying from a stock market, you have to understand that that's not going, you're not going to see that recovery that you expect. Correct. You know, okay, we go back to the, the same normal. It's not, it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, a, a little bit of a slower drag. Right. Yep. <clears throat> and then you feel for the, uh, there was a, uh, <clears throat> you get a, I get a lot of uh, USC alumni network emails and one of them had a note in there about, Hey, support the, the restaurants run by the USC community. And they had one in there that was opening up not too far from where I live. There was a barbecue place. I thought, Oh, barbecue is <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, let's see what this is about. And then I look at, I go find them on the website and their scheduled open date was March 1st, right? And <laughs> like, wow, talk about horrible planning or, mm-hmm. you know, horrible timing. And for someone like that, I feel bad for, right? Because that, they didn't screw up. They just happened to have, you know, bad timing on a, on a target date. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I look, it looks like they're not open yet, right? So they got, so who knows what goes on with that? I mean, think of the money that got sunk into that. Um, just, you know they they went to set up right before the bomb went off there's nothing you can do but so for that person i feel i I empathize with him i feel for him but and assuming this thing opens up whenever it does 
I'm sure that they had some metrics that said, you know, they expect to do so many, you know, they got however many tables they have in the place and they know what their, uh, what their turn rate is per table per night and the average ticket size and they can figure out what the revenues would be. Well, now if you put distancing issues in there, their numbers get all tweaked, right? And maybe it doesn't make sense to run the business anymore. I don't know. Right. Or you have to double the price if you only have half the people in there. Mm-hmm. Right. So it'll, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic, but again, that's not necessarily, it's a bad thing for that individual restaurant owner, but for society as a whole, that's opportunity all over the place. Right. Look at it from where is the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? Yeah. And when you do that, you won't be fearful at all. You'd be rubbing your hands saying, Oh, I can see this. I can see this. I can see this. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, the <clears throat> this event uh, gives a, an advantage to those who are willing to work hard. Yes. Yeah. And you don't need a ton of money to be able, it's not like, oh, well, you're saying that because you guys have a couple of bucks behind you. It's like, hell no. It doesn't, it's got nothing to do with that. It's seeing the opportunity. Having the yeah, eyes it's open it's and mindset. work ethic. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. <clears throat> Going back to this uh this article here by uh, the Financial Samurai thing. Um, his next thing was, he said, my plan to reenter the works, the workforce has changed, right? He had planned to retire earlier with just one kid. Um, then unexpectedly, they have another kid. And so expenses will go up, um, which is looking like that's kind of forcing him back into the workforce. Um, but in a horrible job market, that put a, put a wrench in the plans. So Chris, let me ask you from a perspective um, you've got a kid that's about the same age as his, it sounds like. Yeah. If we, you we were both retired at the same time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's it. I did the same thing. Um, not asking you to make an announcement, but if you suddenly got a, uh, a look from your lovely bride in a couple of days, it says, Hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. Are you going to have to go back and get a job? Uh, you, you, you're prophesizing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. This morning, uh, this morning oh, no, are you talking? talking tell me yeah, something. over at uh, breakfast table, and she was telling me she had a dream that, uh, you know, she was ready for another baby. <laughs> <laughs> Did you yeah. say wait, dream or nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're. I mean, they're ble- they're blessings, right? It's, I understand. Uh, you know, depending on how you how you see it and the time that you have for them, so. Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't need to, you know, I wouldn't need to go find more income or anything like that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, and so that there's a huge, uh, the, and that's a good feeling. And by the way, as I know right now, there's people saying, wait, is Lamb announcing something? <laughs> no, no, he's not. No, this is, well, I don't think you are. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not part of my plan. It's not part of our plan. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah. but the point is that if that were to happen though, you're not forced to go back and get a job. No. Not at all. No, I mean, I, th- I think that's why, uh, you know, when you do things, um, I mean, like, the, this shouldn't be news to this person, uh, this guy's uh, financial samurai guy here, um, Sam. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It sh- shouldn't, shouldn't be news to him because if you if you have your first child, you, 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 I'm sure he's thinking of having a second, right? It's not something unexpected. Um, and... And by the way, so, I was going to say, Sam, if you're listening, this is not rip on Sam at all. Yeah. We're trying, we're no, just, no, no, no. Uh, uh, just yeah. the complete opposite. We're trying yeah. to uh, use your experiences to teach others. And if you listen, I think we've got some stuff we know that can possibly help you. 
Yeah, so it's just kind of like if you have, uh, you know, you, you have to expect that, okay, you could have medical expenses or certain emergency things that happen. Mm-hmm. So you need to set, you know, you always have money aside that you could use it for it, right, or enough income. Uh, like I said, is, is yeah, you know, most people try to quit their job when they just barely have enough, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You should, you should know that you're comfortable making a lot more than your expenses and that you have a big cushion and in, and that income is reliable. It's not something that fluctuates and can go away. Right. So that's the way that you have to plan if you're planning for time freedom and, you know, worse comes, you know, you go back to get a job. Okay, cool. Um, but you know, he's actually in an unfortunate situation where we, uh, we discussed, um, I guess he discussed his plan about finding work, mm-hmm. I think early in the year, late in the year, last year. And, um, you know, here is this pandemic situation and it's very tough to find, you know, such a job that he's looking for. Correct. You know, all the big, big companies, they're not hiring. Most of them are on hiring freeze. <clears throat> you know, it's looking back at the date. So you and I were talking about coronavirus in the first week of February. Okay. Right. And now when you listen to all this stuff, the news media is saying, well, it looks like they were, you know, the Trump was in some kind of meeting back on January 25th. Mm. Right. And they whatever thing is. And you and I were saying, well, heads up in the first yeah. week of February. Oh, and yeah. We don't have any linkage. Right. We're not dialed into something. It's just when you know how to think, you see stuff it's like, OK, we, think about we it. we got some friends from Wuhan. Yeah, yeah we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the hell Wuhan is. Yeah. <clears throat> sounds like a sounds like a Chinese Internet stock. It, it sounds like a Chinese restaurant is what it sounds like. <laughs> <clears throat> um. Where was I going with that? The I can't remember. I lost my train of thought. Well, it's how to think. You you uh, you you mentioned about uh, us talking about the coronavirus early in February. Uh, it's right around the time that Trump was, uh, I guess, maybe having some interior talks about that. Yeah. Yep. I still can't remember what I was going to say. It doesn't matter. I'll go to item item number three <laughs> in his article. <laughs> what he says in here is they're losing rental income. Um, he goes, "Hey, we own three rental properties." Excuse me. One of them is up in Lake Tahoe. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a beautiful spot, great, uh, great ski location, and beautiful up there in the summer. And because of the lockdown, nobody is renting that. So now he's got a mortgage on that with zero rent. So he says in here, I got a monthly mortgage of about twenty five hundred bucks. Um, and so you hear all that and say, so Chris, do you you don't own do you own uh, do you own any rental real estate? No, and nor do I. Yeah, and, and and you talked about this before, you you know, to all the guys that invest in real estate, you like, don't rely on that income. Yep. What 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 happens if the you know there's something, you know, hitting the the the, the economy? Yep. Right? You all of a sudden you know, your tenants no longer, you know, paying you got it. rent. That's exactly it. But Chris, let me ask that even though you don't own rental real estate, mm-hmm. do you own anything that you can rent? Yeah, the stocks. You got it. <laughs> and so with rental real estate you know, I was looking at his numbers here. It looks like he's getting, if the place were paid off, he's probably making three, four, five percent a year on the <clears throat> on the equity. So said differently, if if the place is a million dollars, if the home paid, or if he could sell the house for a million bucks, and if he had no debt service on this, he would make in the range of thirty to forty grand a year on that million. <clears throat> so ballpark three, I'll give it four percent. I'll even give it five percent on the high side. 
So let's say he's making 5% on that million dollar property with no debt service. So Chris, with your rental, with the assets you own that you can rent, how long does it take you to make 5%? Uh, in this volatility, a volatile market, probably uh, like a week or less. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, is that every single week? It can be for now. Not every single week, like every month or every year, but it can be every single week for a few months. Yes, yeah. on a stock, and then it change, and then the stock may change. Correct. So right now there might be stocks, and I won't even name it. It doesn't matter. I don't want somebody jumping out and trying this until you know what you're doing. But there are stocks within a specific industry that are yeah, yielding. Yeah, well, I mean, we we can just say uh, look at look at oil, look at energy. Okay, right. We know, won't name any stocks, but you know, if you're listening out there, and you're you know. Go pull up uh, any big companies like an Exxon Mobil or ConocoPhillips or yep. uh, Chevron. Yep, these are big, big companies, right? Um, pull pull them up and look at how how much they move within a day, within a week. Yep, you know, and look at it since uh, February. Uh huh. You know, since since we had this news, you just look at it and then you see how much they move. <clears throat> and if you're new to this, you don't know what we're talking about. One of the I should have said this during the intro. Um, if it is your first time listening, get through this episode. And if, if you uh, like the way we think and what we say, go start at the beginning. Go back to episode number one and listen to those. And maybe listen about the first 10. And that's where we talk about the how to think and what that really means. One of the episodes in there, we talk about a, a homework exercise that I call the high-low homework. And what you do is you're basically looking to to open your eyes to see how much a stock moves within a month. And you're going to pick the stock, you're going to pick the month, you pick the year. So I'm not stacking the deck. And what you'll find is when you see this incredible volatility that can exist in a stock, the opportunities to, and you're never going to, if it moves 10% in a month, I'm never suggesting you're going to make 10, right? You'll just get a chunk out of the middle of that 10. And whether that's one or two or three or more, who knows? What's interesting, what Chris is, I think he's about to say, I'm not looking across the table from him, so I don't know. Some of the energy or the oil stocks um, in this last month, and not just with, if, even if I ignore the decline, some of them move 60%. And that's mm -hmm. like one of them just this week moved 60%. Um, yeah, in, in, yeah, in like it's four days. Like it's not a month. No, it's in a week. <laughs> it's crazy. And so you look at that and go, all right, I'm 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 not suggesting you get all 60, um, but could you get three? <laughs> if you've got 60 possible, is it reasonable to think, well, maybe I get lucky, I get three or four of them. Um, and if you had done that trade and only got three or four, if you call me and brag about that, I'm going to, I'm going to chew you a new one. Um, you shouldn't have got that little bit. It doesn't matter. The point is that you get a small little chunk off of that. And what people without knowledge expect to do in holding something forever in the real estate market in volatile times, sometimes you can make that in a much shorter period on a stock. Now it's not going to be every week on an oil stock for the rest of the year. It may go on for a period of time and then it goes away, but there's another industry that gets busy and you can, you know, to, to, to sell a rental property costs you about 6% for commission fees and ballpark 10% just to get out of it with all your costs. To sell a chunk of shares in the market, commissions are now zero. Mm -hmm. So you have a little bit of exchange fees, which literally are probably a dollar or it's less than $5. 
and you could move anywhere from a thousand dollars to a million dollars, and it cost you less than five dollars. Um, and I believe those are one of the that's one of the reason why uh, we're having a lot of volatility too, because of the, the zero fees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and because people, people are at home. home. Yep, people are moving mm-hmm. it around. And so, but the idea on that is that there's no fees to move in and out. All it does is it creates a tax bill for you. And if you're thinking, well, I don't want to generate a tax bill, you're an idiot. Because if you generate a tax bill that says you're making money, it's not a bad thing. Um, but the point is that there's they an opportunity. Tax <laughs> yeah. It's like that means you're spending money. You got it. That's exactly yeah. it. So, yeah, your plan should be, you know, you shouldn't be in, your goal should be to write a multi-million dollar check to the government every year in taxes. That's a great problem to have. Right, because that says you made double that. That's cool. Um, Pay more. Yep. But so my point though, so if, if I said, hey, in volatile times, can you can you make four or five percent a year on your uh, <laughs> on a stock that you want to rent? The answer is you'll laugh at me like, uh, yeah, it's not a problem. Right. But it's not the same stock. It's not the same stock all year, and it's not every week. Mm-hmm. But if, uh, let me ask, can I, I'm prying with you. I know you don't like talking about this much, but if you're, let's see, we're in first of May. So we had April. So we've had what, 17, 18 weeks this year, right? Mm-hmm. From January 1st till today. And I know you don't measure it this way. Would you say of those 18 weeks, how many of them do you think you've made 3% or greater on renting a stock? Mm. I know you don't think of it that way, but maybe 20 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so you, those of you listening, like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Well, yes, it does. Cause he's done it a couple times within a few weeks is what he said. Um, what do I say? Well, uh, let's say within the 18 weeks, probably a, a high percentage, I would say maybe at least 14, 15 weeks mm-hmm. of those 18. And that isn't your core strategy. This isn't what you, you do it a little more now because you're chasing a three and a half year old running around the house. Yeah, well, I, I do certain, depending on my time and uh, I like to be able to, you know, place a trade or do something and walk away, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, and it's, it's just it's relatively calm. It's, uh, it's nothing, something I have to kind of, you know, <clears throat> uh, keep track of or pay attention to. Correct. On a, uh, on a daily basis, yep. you know? And have you had a hundred percent winners? Um, hundred percent winners as far as no, no, the strategy. Just, no, 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 no. Has every trade been a winner? Oh, has a hundred percent. Okay, I thought you said. Yeah, like no, not. Are you making 100%? a hundred percent? Yeah. Yeah. Has your batting average been a hundred percent? You've had losers in there. Is what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Which yes. is fine. Yeah. Right. Not the end of the world. Yeah. So it, now we're we're not saying they all work. Yeah, but you know, you you shoot a basketball, you're gonna you're gonna miss some. You know, it doesn't mean you're not gonna shoot. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it doesn't mean you're it doesn't mean you're a bad player if you miss a couple shots. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, so the idea on rental, if you got a real estate background, you can rent stock. Yeah, the same concept, and you don't have to deal with tenants, <laughs> and the rental returns are a lot better. And it's a heck of a lot. You got, there's a learning curve that goes with this. This isn't something you, uh, you start on Monday and you're an expert by Friday. Correct. There's a learning curve with this, but once you know how to do this, you know, if, if you want to rent a hundred shares, you can do it. And it's the same amount of effort to rent a thousand shares or 10,000 shares. 
And that's the one thing that is a huge advantage over the stock market, over real estate, is that it's scaling up is not a problem. So next thing he talked about, it's never been a more stressful time for parents. Um, love for kids more than anything in the world. Early retirement is a lot easier when you don't have children. Financial care has always been a top priority. Now I'm second guessing early retirement. Chris, are you second guessing early retirement? No. Are you, and he, this is the next sentence jumped out of me. I feel foolish for not having a full-time salary to protect my family. Chris, do you have a full-time salary to protect your family? No. Do you feel foolish? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I think he's, because, you know, I think he's had all these doubts. Um, yep. It, it probably never left him because he's, he, he switched job to another job. Yes. Like we said, it's this fire of movement. It's not, it's not really, uh, it's not freedom. time freedom. Nope. Yeah. It's not time freedom. It's really replacing your, you know, W2 job with a 1099. 10.99. Yep. Like you're now actively blogging and doing something, uh, to, to build that income. And so, and, and a lot of this, the income that they receive, um, it's not, it's not very uh, stable. Correct. Right. And so, I think all along he's working and he's just he's feeling like kind of is this is this something better than what I did before and so that has never been settled and uh, you know you get you get like you said when the when the tides are you know uh, the tide goes out you can tell yeah. who's swimming naked yeah and so that's what happened is is you got you got this situation happening with the economy and then now all that doubt and fear you know really comes up and go wow it's manifesting now. And and it's it's showing what's reality. Like he 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 was not sold on his plan or what he was doing. Um, it was he was always shaky about it, right? I think there's that. The other thing I think that jumps out is the guy. And again, Sam, if you're listening to this, we're not ripping on you. Don't take this this way. Um, but there's a lot of debt that's associated with that. And so if there's no income coming in, right, you still got a monthly nut that you got to cover, whether it's mortgage or whatever other things you got there. Um, Chris, how much of debt in the last three months, how many what kind of debt payments have you made? Nothing. I don't have any either. No debts. Yeah. Right. The only, oh, I take that back. The only debt that I have would be what I put on a credit card yesterday that I pay off at the end of the month. Yeah. That's not considered debt. If it's, I understand. It's just, uh, yeah, I understand. It's like a monthly bill. Yeah. Exactly. But that's, yeah. and all that is because I didn't use, uh, you know, I didn't pay cash when I bought the thing, mm -hmm. but that would be the only quote unquote debt that exists is what I spent this month on the credit card. Everything else, there's no debt. And that's a huge comfort feeling when you realize all you have to, all you have to, all you're responsible for is your current living expenses. Yeah. And the real estate folks will always say, yeah, but debt is great because your tenants are paying off the mortgage and, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's cool. As long as the tenants are writing the check. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you end up having a, a very required, sorry, comfortably, you want to have a big reserve fund just in case something goes wrong. And we're in the period, and this may just be the beginning of something going wrong, right? We'll have to see what happens here as we go through the next few months or a few quarters. But Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, like history repeats itself, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people talk about depression. Uh, what makes me see this is not a depression like is because during the time of depression, we didn't, uh, we, you know, I think we were still on the gold standard, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so you didn't have this type of liquidity with the banks and all that at the time. Yes. Now they've gone through 2008 and nine. They recognize that they just got to print. And so they'll continue to do that, which will prop up, you know, the, which will keep you out of the depression. But like I said, you have to pay for it. And so there's a long, long sluggish, you know, to get out of this. Yes. Um, and uh, what made me or what I recalled upon my experience, and this is when I first started the stock market in like late 99, 2000. So, you know, 20 years ago. Um I remember the market being down volatile. And if, in fact, if you even go back and look at it, it happened right around the same time. Yep. Okay. And um, it was, it was a very long recovery. It took like, I think two, almost three years, right? I think, right. The market didn't bottom until like near 2003. Yep. Right. Um, and so it went for a good, I think, uh, 24, 30 months. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so I, it wouldn't surprise me if it took, it took that long here to, for us to, uh, you know, see the market starts to, uh, okay, get back to the old highs again, right? Or, or, or bottom out, right? Not, not get back to old highs, but bottom out. And so the other thing here, let me put in my disclaimer, neither one of us is licensed. We don't have a freaking clue what we're talking about because we've been unemployed for a couple of decades. So if you uh, if you're looking for someone to give advice, we are not the guys. We're not licensed. Yeah, I'm not, unemployed. Saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving telling you to go buy anything. No, no, but I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm about to. Yeah. And, and so go talk to a financial advisor who's licensed, who's employed, who clearly knows what they're doing because they have a job. Because Chris and I being unemployed, we must not know what we're talking about. So go talk to somebody much smarter than us. This is strictly uh, entertainment, little little information that we're sharing. Um. Now, having said all that, Chris, what's the uh, what? <clears throat> a great indicator that's out there is when somebody comes up to you that knows nothing at all about the stock market and mm. says, "Hey, is now a good time it's to buy?" Now a good time to buy. And when you get uh, someone who's uninformed, uneducated, and you know, I say this with with a, in a loving tone, that's clueless about the stock market, if they come up and say, "Hey, maybe now's a good time to buy." Guess what we have not put in yet? There's not a bottom yet. There's not a bottom yet because there's not enough fear in the streets. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about this all throughout the podcast, multiple podcasts. Mm -hmm. And uh, in some of the prior ones, I mentioned my uh, uh, my guy that came by to fix um, yep. the dryer. <laughs> my dryer, yeah. Yep. You know, recommending me stocks to buy. This was before this down. And uh, I was trying to help the guy out, you know, checking on him, how, how he's doing this pandemic. And you know, oil is hitting its lows and this guy is trying to throw his fortune into, you know, all of his savings into oil, right? Okay. It was recommending to buy an oil gas company. It was in the penny stocks. Yep. And uh, and then uh, I, I told him to, you know, hey, how are you doing? Trying to keep him like, hey, there, there's, this is not, you know, go, go learn how to do this. Go, don't don't just mess around. They, they This could mess you up. And then he texted me. He's like, well, there's nothing, you know, there's, there's no really secret to it. He's like, you know, I just bought so and so, and uh, and uh, I I ended up buying some more. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I did lose a few thousand. But um, you know, I I the, the CEO decided, uh, you know, he he went in and bought some more. And so, 
you know, I went and bought it. It's not bad. My average price is 68, you know. 68 cents? It gets back to, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wow. My average price is 68 cents. And uh, if it goes back to uh, whatever, uh, you know, I'll I'll make it all back and some. Wow. (laughs) I'll say, okay, well, how do I help this guy so stubborn? Yeah. So to the listener, and again, we can't give advice. If you ever are looking at a stock at 68 cents, go look somewhere else. (laughs) don't ever buy something that cheap. There's absolutely no way. And I can't give advice, so I'm not going to give advice, but do not ever buy a penny stock. You will not. You know, when you tell people don't do something, they do it. So if you're still going to do it, just make sure that you're okay losing that money. Yeah. Just look at that money and say, Hey, would I feel better if I stood on the, on a freeway over, over, overpass and threw it out the window? Mm-hmm. Right, and who knows? You might make a little money on there, but that's not a get yeah, it's rich. Yeah, like buying a lottery ticket. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Except lottery tickets are a dollar or two. I guess you can buy them for a for sixty eight <laughs> cents. You're getting a bargain. <clears throat> so <clears throat> nuts. Um, let's see. Then he next thing on his list, he talks about uh, expenses are increasing, and we have to we figure out how to significantly cut our expenses for the coming months. Because his living expenses went way up. So remember, our definition of FIRE, focus on income, reduce expenses. Um, Chris, would you be cool if your expenses went up? If you decide that uh, your lovely bride, the dream of having another kid actually happens, she comes in at some point in the near future and says, hey, guess what? Um, If your expenses go up, does it bug you? No, for the right reason, no. Yeah, oh, when I say yeah, bug you, it's, like, it, it, it's it, going to make yeah, you go back you know, to work, is what I mean. If, if somebody just took money away from me, I would be, huh? well. <laughs> no, I understand. But I mean, <laughs> well, my taxes went up for no reason, you know, without yeah. any income going up, that wouldn't be good. But if you had to pay for another mouth? No, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, my um, people knocking at my doors, asking for food. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? I think that pretty much closes it. Yeah, I mean, it's a mindset. And uh, I think this guy, you know, at, at, I'm sure he's got a following, you know, that it was like they're very excited about retiring early. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, I, I don't know how the crowd would react to that, how his fan base would react to that, because it's kind of like, wait, you totally shifted mentality. It's like now he's he's telling them, hey, they should go to work. And they should stay at a job. It's like, wait, you, you should pr- still have the same mentality and say, I did it incorrectly. Yep. It's still good to retire. And it's still good to, you know, not have a job, not be bounded by a job. But then he started to justify that you should have a job. You remember? He said, oh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're, you're, you're changing the whole mentality, which is correct that you, you should <laughs> not rely on, you know, an, a W-2. Right? Instead of justifying why you should stay doing what you're doing. Correct. You know, um, the, his his idea is correct. The plan was not. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, because right. it, it is totally doable. Yeah. He can stay home and raise two kids. He doesn't need to bring in, you know, to go. If you need to hire child care, cool. That's a trade. Right. You do that. You still want to go coach tennis? Cool. You can do that. All the stuff that he wanted, that he had been doing before, is totally doable, but not off the plan that he was running before. On the wrong plan. He's got the right idea, the wrong vehicle. 
So Sam, if you're listening, uh, this is meant to help you. Um, and it's also, there was a, of course, I told you I was going to get this story in and that this may be the way that I can fit it in. It, it's along the lines of people go, well, wait, I, I don't believe that can be done. And the answer is, yeah, it can. <clears throat> I had a phone call a few weeks ago from a guy. Uh, it's a little bit of a long story, but to me, I think it's worth, uh, it's worth doing. It kind of points to the pro-America stuff and it points back to the how to think. <clears throat> but this guy was calling, he was asking about the uh, the stock class. And answering asking questions, I was answering at the very end. He said, "You know, this almost sounds too good to be true. What do you say to that?" And my answer was, uh, "I don't, I don't want to say this nicely, so it's going to sound rude." I said, "The way you talk about how you live sounds horrible to me." And so I, like, I can't believe just the opposite sounds too good to be true. It's like, man, yours, the other situation sounds horrible to me, but I've been in that situation. And so I don't know how to explain it. And I said, but a, a different, and I never thought about this before. I said, imagine that you and I jump on an airplane together. And I said, you pick the place you want to go in the world. My only requirement is that it's middle of nowhere, anywhere in the world. So, you know, backwoods, I don't care where you want to go. Backwoods, China, backwoods, Afghanistan, Russia, India, middle of nowhere, Africa. I don't care. You pick the place and we'll fly in there together. And when we land in that major city where the airport is, we're not going to leave the airport. What we're going to do is then walk to the other side of the terminal where you're not flying in on a major airline, but the planes there are the ones that you're afraid to get on because they look like they were built in 1947 and they're held together with Velcro and, and duct tape and paper clips. And we're going to hop on one of those prop jobs and we're going to fly two, 300 miles to middle of nowhere, whatever that country is. And you know, if you're listening to this, go with me. I just I want you to picture this. And then we're going to get off the airplane. So we're now we're in the middle of a third world country, middle of nowhere. Hop on a taxi cab or whatever that may be. And we'll go outside the town and go 30, 40 miles out. And the first village we walk into, we're going to look for a 35-year-old guy-ish. <clears throat> and say, hey, sir, here's what we've got. Looking around your little village here, there's probably, it's probably agricultural, if that. There's no job opportunities. And in that little village, most of the buildings are probably one story. There might be, an, might be a couple of two-story buildings. If you're middle of nowhere, third world country, you may not have clean running water coming out of a tap. So you've got that issue. They may not have the best sanitation. And say, sir, if you'll come with me in 24 hours, I can put you on, well, get on an airplane. And he's going to say, what's an airplane? You say, well, an airplane is this a, a tube of metal that weighs about 40 tons. And I don't know how it works, but it flies at about 600 miles an hour, about six miles up in the air. And he's going to say, that's not possible. Go, yeah, I know. It's, it doesn't seem possible to me either that 40 tons of metal can fly through the air at 600 miles an hour, six miles up, but it, it does. Because why well, I don't believe it. Like, uh, okay, I don't know how to answer that. But so we'll get on this thing that you don't believe in works and within 12-ish hours, 18 hours, we're going to be in one of the largest cities in the United States. You pick your place. We can go L.A., New York, Chicago, Houston. I don't care. You pick a spot where you want to go. And what we'll do is we'll drive into a little bit of suburbia, suburbia areas, maybe 20, 30 miles from the airport. And I can put you in this big warehouse that has got about 100,000 square feet. And in that 100,000 square foot area has got more food than 
you would need to feed your your family, yourself, and your village in a lifetime, all under one roof. And he's going to say, there's no way that that exists. And we go, uh, okay. But, you know, we call it Costco or Walmart or Sam's Club or Target. <clears throat> but it does. And by the way, in that same store, there's more than enough clothing there for your family for the rest of their lifetime. And there's more than enough other creature comforts for you and your family for your lifetime in this one roof building. And if you'd like, and I think it's pretty hard for you to probably find employment in the small little village that you live in, but in this big warehouse building, they'll hire you probably on the spot. And you can make, I don't know what the weight would be, $12, $15 an hour. And they'll either give you a mop or a broom. And your job is to sweep the floor, sweep the parking lot, clean the bathrooms. Excuse me, something along those lines. The cool thing is, though, that you only have to work five days a week. Because where you live now, you probably have to work seven. And you don't get, don't get a lot of extra. <clears throat> if you want to work here in this building, you, can't, you may not work in the same building, but you could work seven days a week here in this country. And pile the money up. If you do really well at that five-day-a-week job, you get promoted. And maybe you end up working as a, as a cashier on the floor. And if you keep doing well, you get promoted to a department manager and your salary goes up. And eventually you could become the store manager. And the store manager will make $100,000 a year managing one of these stores. And that person would say, there's no way that's possible. Go, okay. And say, but the other thing that's pretty cool is on those two days that you're off, if you want to, you go into a downtown area and they have buildings there that are a thousand feet tall, 80 to a hundred stories. And he's going to say, that's not possible because where I live, you know, two-story buildings are here. We can't go any higher than that because whenever there's an earthquake, they topple down. There's no way that buildings are a thousand feet tall. And how do you explain to somebody when they say there's no way that exists and you know that it's real in your world and there's no way to do that. You have to, that person will only, they'll only, two attitudes. Some people say I have to see it before I believe it. And other people have the attitude of I believe it. Now I can see it. It's the, uh, it's the old uh, cliche, <clears throat> like, uh, you know, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Correct. Right. And so uh, and it's also whatever you, you know, believe it's the truth for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so if you believe this is too good to be true for you, you're correct, then you're correct. It, it will you will not do anything. Um, and then you just stay as you know, and um, stay where you are, stay where you are. And, uh, you know, a, a simple I mean, you've seen you, you can you see students that, uh, you know, have done this. Early on, you know, they, they kind of just, all right, let me get my feet wet. And they weren't as serious about it, mm -hmm. right? Because they have kind of a belief or doubt that maybe, you know, maybe I can't do this, right? And and then as they started doing, putting in the work, the the, the faith grows, right? The, yes. the confidence grows. And then you talk to the ones that I have time freedom today. They're like, man, if they know what they know or the, have the confidence that they like this works, they would just right off the bat, just, you know, hundred percent go at it. Correct. Right. Yep. Um, you know, at the get go, but it starts with having some faith that, Hey, let me do something. Yep. And, and once you do it, then, then it will be revealed to you, but you don't do anything. You're not, it, nothing will change. And I shared with you the, 
the the making decisions about risk and reward, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, for a person, if you know, ask yourself, what is the risk of taking action? What is the reward for taking action? And if this is really good, then you know the reward is humongous. And if you look at the risk, it's probably very little. Yep. And what is the risk of not doing it? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> you got it especially right. well you and i can say that because we understand yeah right it's like it's a huge risk yeah for not and doing then it. it's a huge the reward loss for, for not doing what's it. the reward for not doing it nothing correct no rewards only risk a different way of saying that is if you go into the town square any anywhere in the world go to a major city go to a small little village it doesn't matter and you find a statue there they never put up a statue in honor of the cynic, in honor of the guy that was doubtful. Mm-hmm. They build a statue in honor of the person that went after it. Yeah. Always keep that in mind. That may not be, that might actually be a good mic drop. You anything else to cover? No, that's fine. That's good. Um, Don't limit your thinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I don't want my thinking on this, but no, that really yeah. is it. Yeah. It's true. Um, Damn, I forgot how I do a close. You do the closing. I can't remember how I close this thing. I don't even remember. You say, uh, it's the waves. What else do I cover? Oh, if you've got comments or thoughts, thoughts, comments, whatever for us, um, shoot us an email, investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. I read them regularly. There's a few people that have replied or that have sent me notes. I haven't replied yet. I've just been lazy through the month of April. So I will get back to you. I appreciate the notes. And the Um, phone number? Phone number is, uh, 747-24-BEACH. And you can even if you're out in the middle of middle of 200 miles from the middle of nowhere in the third world country, you can get on eventually get on a 747 and be on a beach anywhere in L.A. or anywhere in, in the country, even in L.A. And a 747 <laughs> is a metal tube. Yeah, that weighs about I don't know what they weigh, 40 tons or whatever an airplane weighs. Um, the other key point on this in all seriousness, um, if you'll put into practice what we talked about on this episodes, on prior episodes, and even on upcoming episodes, we know that this can get you to the point of time freedom. And time freedom to us is signified by the ability to go down to the beach on a Tuesday and hear the waves. And when you do that, you'll find that the waves that, that crash on the beach on a Tuesday sound so much better than any beach, any waves you'll hear on the beach on a weekend. Um, and our objective and our hope is you'll get to the point that you too can get to Tuesday waves. And I'll put the caveat on that. If you happen to live in Southern California near Huntington Beach. <laughs> Every day is two days, Tuesday waves. Yeah, right now, any day is Tuesday waves, but they won't let you get on the beach. <laughs> so, well, all... I forgot even to mention, uh, you know, when people ask how come you guys haven't uh, been doing a podcast, we say, because everybody's got time freedom already. Yeah, the beach is too damn crowded. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everybody's at home, right? Yep. That's it. But in all seriousness, if you'll put into practice what we uh, what we have talked about, you can get to time freedom, and that's our our purpose and our uh, that's what keeps us doing the podcast. We want to see more people get there. So, as always, we appreciate you listening, and thanks for your time. Take care. Mm-hmm.